Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll read verses 9 through 18 together. That's uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll also have it on the screen right in front of you. Verse 9 reads, There he, which is Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And the word said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the voice said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mehola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Amen. Amen. Lord, I ask that you be gracious to us as we open up your scriptures. I pray that you begin to be present with us through your word, as you've been present with us through prayer, as you've been present with us through song and worship. Lord, I ask that you endure us with tremendous power that we may be able to hear the keys of life through your word. Lord, I pray also um, that you may be able to comfort us, uh, to encourage us, and to strengthen us by your word that does all those things. Lord, I also pray that you give us vision and insight about who we are, who you are, and, and what you've called us to be in this world. Lord, when you do all those things, when we can testify of you, when we can actually see the fruit of this word become part of our life, Lord, let us give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Now, I am excited um, today to talk some more about hearing the, the, the voice of God, hearing the word of God. And I, I'd like to start um, by asking you know, a few questions um, that we can kind of 
think through, you know, throughout the message. One is, you know, have you ever wondered what the voice of God actually literally has sounded like? Um, have you ever uh, considered other people's perspective of what they think about is the voice of God? Have you ever heard the voice of God? And could you be able to share with others who asked you what that voice actually sounded like? Well, 20 years ago is probably when I believe that I first heard the voice of God in my own personal life. And as I heard the voice of God, I both learned really quickly that the voice of God is not just auditory, but the voice of God is actually visual. Because often times in the experiences that I've had, in the very first experience I had hearing the voice of God, I actually saw a vision and a picture of my life. And when I saw this vision and picture of my life, what God actually did was he actually showed me exactly who I was and all the things that I was doing, all the day-to-day activities that I was participating in. And I believe that it had to be the voice of God because everything that I was doing at that part, I liked. Everything that I was doing in my life, I enjoyed. But when God started to speak through me through his visual picture, I started to realize I didn't like everything that I started to see. Because I think that that's what God begins to do. He begins to show you something that only he can actually show you that is completely different than the way that you thought. Uh, the second thing that I, I saw 20 years ago was, uh, was that after God had shown me a visual picture of his life, he actually started to show me a visual picture of himself. And that visual picture of himself started to show a picture of the brightest, most beautiful light that I've ever seen in my life. And then I actually started to feel warm inside. And so I knew that regular normal lights and normal experiences didn't make me feel that way. So it had to be something different. And as I heard that, I saw that God would actually show you something that is bigger and mightier than who you are to get you to understand his voice. And then the third thing that I started to, to hear is actually the intimate voice of God in my own personal heart. Because the Lord actually, 20 years ago, began to ask me, as I saw these visual pictures, which life did I want? And I picked the one that made me feel warm and good inside, and I heard that the voice started telling me inside of my heart that my name was Jesus Christ. And so I couldn't decide. I couldn't think about that because I wouldn't have come into this type of prayer knowing that this is the experience that I was going to get out of it. God had to show me something different than I could actually could truly experience. And since that time, amazingly, because I wasn't a person that was in God's Word, I wasn't a person who went to church every single day, I wasn't a person who had able to have somebody tell me about their own personal experiences, I started to see that the experiences that I had was the same experience that the Bible actually confirmed of how you hear God's voice. And one of the examples that we're using today is 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verses 9 through 8. And we see a man who's a, who's a prophet who begins to show us also what the voice of God begins to say. Now what's interesting about Thinking about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, he is an amazing, amazing, amazing man of God. And yet, you also see here in this passage that he that we just read, he is a very confused man of God. <laughs> you know, because he had just done some of the one of the most miraculous miracles that you could ever see a man actually literally do. And what he did was, if you, if you go back and want to read the backstory at home with your family, you know, afterwards, he was able to call down from God and actually do a miracle, 
to actually show all the other false prophets of the world that God was real and the God that they served was actually truly false. If you want to read that, go back and actually look at that story. But I actually just wanted to share that with you because he was walking with God. He was seeing signs. He was seeing wonders. He was seeing great things. But then a woman came. You know, sometimes women kind of do that to me, and they just shake him up. And so this woman shook him up and started to put the fear in his life and said that I'm coming to kill you because you killed 400 of my prophets. So he's scared of one woman, but he also killed 400 prophets. This one woman had him running for his life, and he ends up right here in verse 9 in a cave, and he lodged in it, and then the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, my own paraphrase, I said, Elijah, you just killed 400 prophets, false prophets, and now you're sitting in the cave scared of one woman. You know, and so what, what does Elijah say to us? And, and he says, he goes back into his own head, he goes back into his own thoughts, and he says, I am very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And one of the things that, that I think about in understanding how not to hear the word of God is actually to learn from Elijah. You know, when you're in your own thoughts, when you're in your own perspective, there's no way that God can actually tell you what you need to hear that perspective. You know, even this week, I was reminded that there are times when I actually like to go and pray, and the only thing that's actually happening is me talking and telling God what I want to what I want to say, what I want to happen, all the emotions that I have in my life, but yet and still, I'm not giving God the time to be able to speak into my life. And I think this is what Elijah's doing here. He's saying over and over and over again, and said, whoa, whoa, it's me. You know, pity me. You know, I'm the last prophet on the earth, and they are coming to seek your life. You know, it doesn't even make sense if you even think about it outside the box. You just kill 400 <laughs> prophets. Why are you scared? You know, but anyway, and then he says, then, you know, some, something miraculous happens in verse 11, that he actually goes out and stands before, before the Lord. And the Lord begins to try to get his attention. And I love that sense sometimes with God is that, that God always does something to try to get us, get our attention. I had a friend uh, this past uh, week who, um, a month ago, was so excited to share with me that God had just downloaded and showed me exactly what I was supposed to do in my life. And she said that I'm supposed to go and actually raise up young little girls who don't have a vision for their life. And I was so excited for her, and we're high-fiving, we're clapping each other. And then I meet with her a month later, and she's had lost her keys. She spent all day lost her keys and trying to figure out, well, why, why did I lose my keys? And I searched up and down the house, searching every single door. I cleaned up the whole house to try to find these keys. You see, eventually I realized that maybe God was just trying to slow me down so I can understand what was actually going on in my life. And that's what God does. He actually starts to sometimes show us a picture. The pictures that God shows us are not the voice of God himself, but they are, they are moments and opportunities for us actually to recognize that maybe God is trying to speak to us into this midst. So here's what, what God does to Elijah in verse 11. He says to us, go out and stand before the mountain of the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore the mountains and broke the pieces before the Lord. But guess what the Lord says? I was not in the wind. And then also he says, after the wind, an earthquake. Again, the Lord says, I was not in the earthquake. 
And then after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord says that I was not in the fire. And after the fire, a low wind whispered, low whisper. And so we see three things. We saw the wind, we saw the earthquake, we saw the fire. And oftentimes, you know, maybe, you know, we have this feeling that when God is actually doing something in our lives, or when circumstances happen in our lives, we think that God is trying to burn us up, or he's trying to blow us away, or he's trying to create an earthquake in our life, and God is trying to destroy everything that we've created. But guess what? These scriptures give us a hint that God is really not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. He is not in the wind. He is trying to possibly use that as a situation to get us to recognize that we need to listen to the sound of a low whisper. Because that's where God is. God is always in the quietness, in the low whisper of his own personal voice. You know, sometimes that's the voice that we hear in our heart, the voice that sounds completely different than than anything else that actually we think in our head or different than the circumstances that we see in front of us. You know, God will speak in that low whisper so that we can actually recognize and actually know that it's him. You know, for a few weeks, we've been talking about Abram, you know, a man who was a moon worshiper, you know, from Ur of the Chaldeans. And I love that story because it doesn't have to be like the prophet who knows how to hear the voice of God, but it's a man like Abram who's just like you and I and saying that you don't have to go to church every single week. You don't have to read your Bible every single week. You can also even be a moon worshiper. But if you understand how to just get into a quiet place, I'll begin to speak to you in a low whisper. And when I speak to you in that low whisper, you'll start to understand the things that I'm actually trying to say to you in your life. And so this is what Elijah does. Elijah is still hard-headed. And I love this about the prophets because the prophets are hard-headed. You know, they only think about what they want to think about. You know, so Elijah heard the whisper. He wrapped himself in a cloak and went out and stood before the entrance of the cave. And behold, the voice spoke again. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah went back into his own feelings again. He says, Here, here's why I'm here, Elijah. God, he says, I am very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. How merciful is God? He's going to let this man continue to pray and pray again and continue to be in his own feelings, but he's still trying to say, son, I'm trying to get your attention. You know, sometimes we're in that same position, and I'm gracious to God because I think that for a while I've been in my own feelings of prayer and telling God what I've wanted consistently over and over again, but he's still gracious to be able to say, keep coming to me in prayer. I'm still going to be available to you so that you can get it right. Because what we really need to do is actually come out to God in prayer with an open posture and sometimes just ask and say, Lord, I'm here. What do you want to say to me? You know, this is what the prophet doesn't do. Man, I want to say one more time, kill 400 (laughs) false prophets and doesn't know how to get into the proper position that he knew how to do to, to kill the 400 prophets. But yet and still, when he is worn out, when he's tired, when he's exhausted, when he is frustrated, when he is angry, when he has been had his last wits, he has forgotten all the things that he knows how to do out of here about God's voice. And that's why it's really important to recognize there are times when we are just worn out, when we are emotionally exhausted, when we've had enough that it gets us into one of the hardest places to hear from God. Because all we do is just get into our feelings. And sometimes we need people around us to encourage us. And sometimes sometimes somebody needs to tell me, Joe, you need to get out of your feelings. You know, get yourself into a quiet position with God. 
Go back to the way that you used to hear from God all the way at the beginning, and he's going to speak to you again. He's going to do the same thing that he did all the way at the beginning because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same way that he spoke to you the very first time that he spoke to you, the same way he's always going to speak to you in life. Elijah doesn't get that. In verse 15, eventually, God gets fed up. Eventually, God gets fed up. And he tells him in verse 15, it says, Go, return your way to Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Menshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And then thirdly, guess what God said? Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. The prophet of God, who killed 400 false prophets, can't hear from God, and eventually God says, man, I got to get somebody else to do the job. I got to get somebody else to do the job. And so if we think about, you know, you know some of these, these things that, that, that has happened, you know, none of that is the kind of uh, uh, prick us just a little bit in the heart just to understand that, that God is knocking and knocking, but God also has stuff to do. And if you're really not ready to receive what God's got to do, he can always gladly just replace somebody else to actually do what God's called you to do. You know, so we're entering into this season of understanding how to redeem the time how to understand the significance on your life. I've always said, if you ever want to understand some of the greatest ideas, the greatest things that God has actually said to me, don't go to the library, don't go to the bookstore, go to your cemetery. You know, go to the place where, where people have refused to hear what God has actually spoken to them, and now those ideas, now those visions, now those ideas are just resting in the grave. You know, but God will maybe speak to somebody else to resurrect that, to rise that up. And I don't want us to be a people who I know have gifts, talents, anointings in here that God is speaking to, that God has spoken to, but we're too either unwilling, too incapable to actually do what is necessary just to hear what God says, obey it, and do it. You know, thinking back to Abraham is just a beautiful reality how God could just take one single man, take him on a high mountain, and show him all, all the stars of the world and be able to say, that can be you if you want that. You know, I can make the, all the descendants of life come after you if you just simply want that. I'm speaking to you. Will you just receive it? doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, Abram had to go through uh, attacks. He had to go through famine. He had to go through losing his nephew into battle. It does not mean when God has spoken to you and called you that something is not going to just go as easy as you want to go. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to be, have people around you that's going to support you. You don't have to learn things that you didn't know that you didn't know how to do. You don't have to learn skills that you didn't know that you knew how to do. You don't have to learn how to pray new ways that you didn't know how to pray. You don't have to read God's scripture more than you've ever read it to be. But it's so worth it in the end. Because God is destined and called us for that thing. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that, that God created us beforehand to, and to be his and he is, he is going to do a work in us so that we may do the, God, the things that God has called and created us to do before the foundations of the world. And that's the place that we want to be at. And so after that, you know, God, again, he says, I'm just going to arise up Elijah. And Elijah is now going to take the mantle and be able to take the things that I've actually called you to do. You know, um, this past week I was talking to a man 
and sharing with him, you know, how to hear the voice of God. And I said, well, what's your perspective? How have you heard the voice of God in your life? And he said, you know, I've never really thought about hearing the voice of God. He said that, you know, what I try to do in my life actually is something different, is that I don't think that God is, has time for, to hear from me. And he's busy doing so many other things. Why would he need to take the time out of his life to actually be concerned about speaking to me and hearing about the things that I'm actually concerned with? And I said, wow, that's a different perspective that, that I hadn't thought about because I know a God who is loving, who is kind, who is gracious, who actually asked me to call him a father, who sent his only son, who says that now I have a big brother who has decided to die on my behalf so I can be connected to this father who says that he wants to give me all things into this world. And so as you think about that, you know, today God wants to hear about every single thing that we think about, every single thing that we, we desire and have a conversation about, all the feelings that we have. He's even willing to put up with that. But at the same time, he wants us to be in communication with him. He wants us to be able to be in a quiet place and not just to hear what we have to say, but also be in a position so that we can actually hear what he has to say. And our question is, will we be willing to do it? Will we have the patience to do it? Will we quiet out all the other voices that are going on in our life so that we can actually hear the voice of God? Let's think about that. Amen. Amen.